discover the inherent power of God in you. Whether there are challenges or not, we are still the same. We are constant. God is constant. God does not change. And that is the life that we have received. It says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That is the same life we have also received. We are also the same yesterday, today, and forever. What kind of life? We, we, we are the same because we have the same life with Christ. So when you think about God, think about you. Because everything he is, that is why he told Abraham, he said, I am your, your exceeding great reward. God gave himself as a reward to Abraham. And we are the seed of Abraham. Therefore, we have inherited God himself. Listen to Pastor Oti Boatim as Christ is magnified in you. Father, thank you for this evening. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for your joy. Thank you for your precious Holy Spirit and your precious word that are working in us and working through us this evening. Thank you that hearts and our minds are engrossed through your word and we bear fruit on every sphere of our lives, even in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, so tonight I'm going to be sharing with you on a, going to begin a series of messages that I want to be sharing with you um, for the next two to three weeks. That's every Wednesday. Then after we'll have another type of Wednesday services. I want to share with you concerning a subject that I believe will really help all of us in our attempt to do what God wants us to do. I've been preaching for many years, and this is one of my favorite messages. Yes, I've preached it more than once. I've preached it like eight times, and I want to preach it again. Preach it. Yes. So this time, I've give, this time around, I've given it a different title. Yes. Uh-huh. So the title of my message is found in Matthew chapter 16, from verse 16. Matthew 16, 16. And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. You know, Jesus was asking them, Who do men say that I am? They started talking, you know. Some say you are Elijah. Some say you are the prophet that is to come. Some say you are this. Some say you are that. And then he asked them, Who do you say that I am? And then Peter, who was one of the talkatives in the church at that time, you know, said that thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus was very excited. He said, Simon, next verse. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon, by Jonah, or Simon, son of Jonah. Okay? By a son. So Jesus is called Jesus, uh, son of Joseph. J- Jesus by Joseph. Okay? This for flesh and blood has not revealed it unto thee, but my, but my father which is in heaven. Next verse. Then he says, and I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So I'm preaching on I will build my church. Yes, that's my topic for these few weeks. I will build my church. I will build my church. There's one thing Jesus is building. Jesus is not building a bank. Jesus is not. Do you believe Jesus is the Son of God? Yeah. How many of you believe Jesus is the Son of God? If you don't believe Jesus is the Son of God, you are not born again. So you need to believe that Jesus is the Son of God. And it's the truth. Jesus, when we say Son of God, Son of God means God in flesh. Okay? So God came in flesh on a certain day, and his name was called Jesus Christ. If you read in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, the Bible says, Unto us a child is born, first of all. So a child was born, and that child became a son. So a son 
is also unto us a son is given, which is the son of God. He was born as a child, but he was a son of God. Then he says, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, or he shall have all rulership. All rulership shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. It's actually together, not Wonderful Comma Counselor. Wonderful Counselor. So that child that was born had a name. His name was Wonderful Counselor. His name was Mighty God, the Mighty God, not a Mighty God. The Mighty God. That child was the Mighty God. Yes. And that child was the everlasting father. And that child was the prince of peace, or is the prince of peace. So Jesus is God. Okay? If you read in Romans, Romans chapter 9, let's read from verse 3. Romans chapter 9. He says, For I could wish that myself were cursed, this is Paul talking, from Christ, my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh, who are Israelites, to whom pertained the adoption, and the glory, and the covenant, and the giving of the law, and the service of God, and the promises. Whose are the fathers, and of whom as concerning the flesh, Christ came? Who is over all? God, blessed forever. Amen. He is over all, and he is God, and he is blessed forever. I want you to see the fact that Jesus is God. Okay? Don't have a shadow of doubt in your mind. One day, God came on earth, and stayed on earth for 33 long years was clothed in human body, got tired like every other human being, slept like every other human being, went through what man goes through, and his name was Jesus. So Paul says that, he says, whose are the fathers? He's talking about Israel. He says, he came. Whose are the fathers? And of whom as concerning the flesh, Christ came. Christ came and joined himself to Israelites. Okay? Or he came through them. Then he says, Christ is over all. God blessed forever. Now, go to Fair John chapter 5 verse 20 you see some more of um, these very important affirmations of the fact that jesus christ is god he says and we know can you read this one to me one to go that the son of god has come and has given us an understanding that we may know him that is true and we are in him that is true even in his son jesus christ then he says this is the true god and eternal life. Jesus Christ is the true God and eternal life. Okay? He is God at once. <laughs> now, when God came on earth, he declared that he was building something. I think God is the most important person in the universe. Because whether you like it or not, um, we all come from somewhere and we are all going to end up somewhere. In Romans chapter 11, verse 36 for of him and through him and to him are all things to whom be glory forever amen he's talking about god he says everything comes from him everything goes through him and everything ends in him so all that we are doing okay we all came from him every human being came from god do you know, do you believe that every human being came from god but there's not every human being who is a child of god the creation of god and the children of God are two different things altogether. God created humanity. But God, uh, because of the fall of Adam, is not every human being that is a child of God. Do you get it? So all of us came from God. All of us are going through him and all of us will end up in him. So he's the most important um, element or being you can ever think about. And when he came on earth, he said he was building something. He didn't say he was building a bank. I think banks are very important. 
Jesus should have said, I will build my bank and prosper everybody and solve the economic challenges of every single individual in the world. Yeah, I think that should have been one of his topmost priorities. What do you think? So that when you, as you grow, you have a trust, a trust fund. When you turn four, it starts, you start cashing in on it. And that fund has three billion dollars for everyone. You know, even if he had done that, there would still have been poor people amongst us, I tell you. Yes. I tell you. You know, so there are things that, there are things that are important, but Jesus did not, um, say he was doing anything about those things. That was not his primary, um, reason for coming. All those things are good. Okay. We share with you concerning prosperity. It's good. We share with you concerning health and healing. It's good. We share with you concerning um, what? What are some of the things we share with you? Glory, beauty, grace. What? Healing. Fellowship with the Spirit. All these things are very important. But all these things are supposed to uh, culminate in one thing, which is the building of the church. Hallelujah. For Jesus, the most important thing is the church. So he said, I will build my church, not I will build my school. Or I will build the uh, roads. I think roads are very important. Good roads are very important. Isn't it? Yeah, but Jesus didn't get involved in road construction. He never built a single school. Yeah, he didn't. Not even one. Okay? Jesus said, I will build what? my church so what is what is the church what is this all important thing that jesus is building i personally think he should have built some economic engineering financial constitutions to help so that because charlie poverty is real is poverty real i think it's one of the biggest things that challenges humanity poverty and sickness these two and i'm quoting it in order of priority (laughs) yeah poverty is a big deal very very big deal because of money a lot of people do all kinds of things so that they can be comfortable money is the biggest challenge of humanity so jesus did not compare himself with satan even Satan is not uh, a problem when it comes to trusting in God. Or Satan is not on the same level with God. Can you imagine? I don't know if you know what I'm talking about. If you read in Matthew chapter 6, you see what I'm telling you. He says, no man can serve God and serve mammon. He didn't say no man can serve God and serve Satan. Nobody in his right senses serves Satan. No, you will not see Satan here and then you say that I like this guy. No, it's not, it's, it doesn't work like that. Do you see? This is Jesus. He says, no man can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other. Or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. The mammon is the, the demon of, of money. The one who brings money. Okay? Is it not amazing? So he puts money on a similar level. With God. Meaning that if there's anything that will take your attention in this life and prevent you from doing the most important thing that God will have you do, it's nothing else 
it's not your wife it's not your cousins it's not any of those things it's money and money will use wife cousins children work what government and everything against you i don't know if you get it if your wife will be angry with you it's because of financial most of the time it's because of financial crisis I don't know if you've seen that video where uh, they say tall guys or short guys. Then there are some ladies who are dancing. TikTok. Yeah. Then they would dance. So I think they all went for, is it short guys? They went for tall guys. They all went for tall guys. Then love or money. Then they went to love. But then they came back to money. It's like love is important, but to the money, no. Hey! Brothers, the Lord is with us. So money is so so out, and I personally think that Jesus should have instituted some trust fund for all born again children of God. It would have encouraged people to become born again very quickly. What do you think? Yeah. Like when you become born again, you get three billion dollars. Trust fund. There'll be what? There'll be no tonight now. Everybody will just be born again. <laughs> wow. But Jesus said, I will build my church. Do you think Jesus did not know that money was important? Ah, he, he knew that money was important. He says, For your father himself knoweth that you have need of such so he knows it's not that he's making some decisions with a blind side he knows exactly what you know it's, it's all in these places go go back to that place matthew chapter 6 next verse look at verse 25 therefore i say you take no thought for your life what you shall eat or what you shall drink nor yet nor yet for your body what you shall put on is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment behold the fowls of the for they sow not neither do they reap nor gather into bands yet your heavenly father feedeth them are you not much better than they next verse which of you taking thought can add one cubit to his stature unto his stature and why take it off for raiment consider the leaves of the field how they grow they turn not neither do they spin and yet i say unto you that even solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these wherefore if god so clothed the grass of the field which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven shall he not much more clothe you O you of little faith Therefore, take no thought saying what you shall eat or what you shall drink or whither, wherewithal shall we be clothed. For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that you have need of all these things. He knows that you have need of all these things. But he, lets, he wants you to know that there's something bigger than these things that people are looking for. What money gives, he gives more than that. So he lets you know, verse 33, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things that every other person is looking for shall be added unto you. Wow. wow. So Jesus didn't say, I'm building a trust fund for you. He said, I am building my church. Why? Because the church will give unto you every single thing that you need. If you build this church, nobody, like wisdom, eh? wise people do things differently. You may not see what they are doing, but at the end of the day, you notice that Charlie, this guy is really wise. God is the source of wisdom. Do you think he will make 
a decision that is not right. No, he doesn't do that. So for God to say that I'm building something and that thing is called a church, then that thing is very powerful. If he didn't say I'm building a trust fund, but I'm building a church, hey, then we need to take it very seriously. What do you think? I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So important. So important. Now, what is the church? Is a church this building? Emphatically not. Some years ago, there, was, there were people squatters on this land. There was no church here. The reason why this place is a church is because you and I are seated inside, inside it. There was a spot right here. People were boozing and doing all kinds of things. Right here, smoking. When we came, we were smoking there. It's a church because we are here. God forbid. But if in the future we decide to give this place out to somebody, some, some other thing, it can become a, a hostel, a hostel, a hotel, a club or something. Yeah. Event center, something else. I remember walking on the streets of Liverpool and seeing church buildings that are now hotels and hostels and pubs and clubs church a whole church building full church building built with human church members money it's now after 100 years it's now a, a club it's now a hostel i saw some chapels some churches that are now church buildings that are now mosques i mean it's just one of the and one of the one of the frequently sold properties are church buildings in the UK, one of the frequently most available properties you can think about are church buildings. It's empty. I saw Sikh temples. I, I was in Birmingham for some time and I saw a church building that is now a Sikh temple. You know Sikhs, the Sikhs from Pakistan. Yeah, it's now a Sikh temple. Wow. So the church is not a building. This building is not a church. It's not. It can never be. It has never been and it will never be. That's why when Jesus also came, he didn't build even one building. He didn't build one church building. He didn't even build a tent, let alone a church building. Of course, he had home. He, has, he had a home. Okay, do you know Jesus had a home? He had more than one even. Uh, that is why when John the Baptist's disciples followed Jesus into his house, when they saw the comfort there, they never went back to John the Baptist. Because John the Baptist's ministry was very hard, I tell you. They were in the desert. No, not, they were eating honey, locust. Wild. It was not a small thing. They were wearing leather girdles. Leather supporter, I tell you. What a shock. So, when they came to Jesus' place and they realized that Jesus' place is nice, was nice, they never went back. They never went back. They stayed. They said, we want to come and see where you stay. This is John chapter, John chapter 1. When they got there and they saw where he stayed, they never went back. So Jesus had a very nice place where he was staying, you know. And there are several places where the Bible says that when he came to his own, let me show you one. Maybe you think that I am lying. Maybe you think that what I'm saying is not true. Mark 2.15. And it came to pass that Jesus sat at meat in his house. Have you seen it? Uh-huh. It's this one. It's, so this one lets you know that it's, it's his house. I said own house, isn't it? Okay, so it's his house. Can you imagine? That Jesus had a house, and it came to pass that as Jesus sat at meat in his house, many publicans and sinners sat also together with Jesus and the disciples, for there were many, and they followed him. So his house could contain many disciples. It's not a small house. What do you think? 
Is this in the Bible? Yes. So Jesus had a house. Okay? Uh-huh. It's, it's important. He had a house. But he never built any church building, like I was saying. No church building, none of those things. Because a church is not a building. <laughs> Pastor, Pastor Eli says his father was a carpenter, but he never built any church building. He never... You'd be there and be doing bass. You'd be there and your Bible, now your bass, bass. Hallelujah. I don't know if you are listening to what I'm saying. So there are a lot of very important things, but Charlie? So people, people build things. You know, we've seen, we've seen people build houses, build... All kinds of things. They are, they, they are building their company, building their career, building their integrity, building all kinds of things, building their families, building their what? Relationships, building their bodies, building their beloveds. Yeah. When you marry and they say beloved, you don't shout. You see, they didn't, they didn't shout. What is beloved? When you are not married and you say beloved, hey. Hallelujah. So the church is not a building. Say the church is not a building. The church is born again children of God. You see, the word church is from the Greek word ecclesia. Ecclesia is spelled E K K L E S I A. Ecclesia. E K K L E S I A. Okay. And it means the called out ones. The called out ones. Or the born again children of God. Okay? The born again children of God. So Jesus said that, I will build born again children of God. I will build my church. I will build born again. I will bring born again children of God into existence. That is what is most important to him. I don't know if you're catching what I'm saying. Yeah. Wow. Are you surprised? The church is the body of Christ. Okay? So I said the church is what? The first thing I said was that the church is the called out ones. Or the born again children of God. And I'm seeing the church is also the body of Christ. Okay, that's the third thing I'm saying. The church is the what? The body of Christ. With Jesus himself as a head and the church or the individuals in the church as the body. Are you seeing it? So when we say church, don't think about a church building. Every time we say church, you always think about a church building. But it's actually not a church building. This place is a church because we are here. We, the children of God, born again children of God, are here. If we are not here, this is not a church. So the church building can be seized. It can be destroyed. It can, all kinds of things can be, can happen to it. But if there's one single person who is born again around, that single person is the church. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And Jesus said, I will build my church. I will build my church. This is the most important thing to God. God is the most important person in the universe. And the most important thing he's committed to is the church is it not amazing 
So what do you think your life will be if you commit to building what he is building? Your life is not, you are not here to uh, be nice, marry a wife, marry a husband, have plenty of children, be a patriotic citizen, vote, <laughs> pay your taxes and all of that, grow older, die and then leave. That's not why you came. You are here for something more. Are you in the church? So in, in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 21, the Bible starts explaining to us what the church is. Okay? Ephesians 1, 21. It says, far above our principality, if you read from verse 19, you see it. It says, um, I, Paul was praying for the church, for the body of Christ. And he says that, I pray that you may know what is the exceeding greatness of God's power that is at work in you. That King James says, to us what? Who believe? According to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ, when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand, far above what principality, okay, at his own right hand in the heavenly places, far above what principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come, and has put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church. Then he starts explaining what the church is. Then he says, the church is his body, which is his body. The fullness of him that filleth all and in all. So the church is the body of Christ. Who forms the church? You and I form the church. Any born again child of God is the one who forms the church. We are part of the church. We are what makes the church the church. We are the church. Say we are the church. We are the church. Turn it back. I'm the church. And you are the church. So when someone is ill in the church and uh, the pastors do not visit and a brother visits the person, the church has visited you. What do you think? Don't say when I got sick, nobody came to visit me. You are lying. Somebody came to visit you. That brother, that your friend who came was part of the body of Christ or the church and the person came to come and visit you. Hallelujah. So the church is the body of Christ, which, is the, which, is, which consists of the born again Christian, born again children of God. Okay, if you read in First Corinthians chapter twelve, verse twelve and verse thirteen, let's look at First Corinthians twelve, twelve and thirteen. For as the body is one and has many members, you see, he says this body is one, but it has many members. There are several members that make up our body. Then he says, and all the members of that one body, being many, are one body. So also is Christ. Even though we are, you have fingers and toenails and all of that hair on your head and hair on your face and all portions of your body and all of that and various parts of your body all that makes a part of your body there are many members you have a heart you have a kidney you have lungs you have all those things but they all form part of that one body if those things are not there your body is not complete isn't it Uh so you can't say the church without having every other person involved so he says so also is christ christ or jesus okay uh has a body and his body is the church that is you and i and we are made members of his body through the new birth so in verse 13 he shows us look at verse 13 for by one spirit by one holy spirit are we all baptized into one body whether we be jews or gentiles whether we be bond or free we have been all made to drink into one spirit so by the holy spirit by the agents of the holy spirit we all become born again into the body of christ and we become part of the body of christ which is the church remember he says the church is the body 
of Christ. Do you remember? In Ephesians chapter 1 verse 22. Look at Ephesians 1 22 once again. Look at it. And has put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church. Which is his body. Have you seen it? The church is his body. The fullness of him that filleth all and in all. How do you become part of the body of Christ? Through the new birth. Through the birth of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said in John chapter 3 verse 3 and verse, and verse 5. Look at John 3 3. Except Jesus answered and said unto him, Very, very as unto you, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Jump to verse 5. Jesus said, Very, very as unto you, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. So, until you are born of the Spirit, you cannot be a part of the kingdom of God or you cannot be a part of the body of Christ. Jump to verse 8. The wind bloweth where it listed, and thou hearest a sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh, and whither it goeth. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. When you become born again, you are born of the Spirit, and you are different. Because you are born of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit is the one who is responsible for your new birth, and He gives birth to you into a place called the body of Christ, which is the church. Please, do you understand? Yes, so the qualification of being part of the church is the new birth. When you become born again, you are now a member of the body of Christ. Ask anybody, are you born again? Get a reply. What do your neighbor say? Yes. You are part. Okay. So if you are born again, then you are part of the body of Christ. And hence you are part of the church. You are a member of the church. Are you seeing it? Now go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're reading the chapter 12 just a few minutes ago. Let's read verse 27 now. 1 Corinthians 12, 27. It says, Now ye are the body of Christ and members in particular. So every one of us is a member of the body of Christ. This now you are the body of Christ and members in particular. We are members of the body of Christ. And Jesus is the head. Remember, he says he gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body. So Jesus is the head of the church. When Jesus died and rose again, you know, before he rose again, when he died, they embalmed his body. They wrapped his body in in uh, in bandages you know they anointed his body for the purpose of preservation and embalmed his body all the way to his head they covered his head they didn't cover his face okay it was left with his face so the ladies uh on the monday on sunday morning were going to the tomb to go and fix his face and then wrap his face as well do you see yeah. but they covered everywhere including his head when they came on the sunday morning the stone was rolled away and then when they got inside, they realized that the napkin that was on his face and what was on his head had been removed and wrapped and put by the casing. Jesus evaporated out of the casing that he was, he was in. He evaporated out of it. So all the wrappings, that his body shape was there in the bandage. But he had come out of it. And he had wrapped. He had time to wrap all that was around his head and everything that you, you see in the bible is of significance he wrapped all that was around his head and folded it nicely and placed it there and left what was he trying to say he has finished his work as the head as the head of the body he has finished his work he has unwrapped his own and he has finished his work now it is left with the body to do their work some of these things are in matthew chapter 27 27 28 go and read your bible Okay, this is what John 27. And the napkin that was about his head, not lying with the lining cloth. Let's read from up. We, we don't understand. Go to uh, verse 5. John 20, verse 5. 
And he stooping down and look, looking in, saw the lining clothes lying. Yet went he not in. This is John. When John saw the lining clothes lying there like that, he didn't enter. He knew that Jesus had resurrected. He didn't need any, any more evidence. So he left. When Peter came, Peter had to go inside and go and check. Then Simon Peter, then, then came, on, came on Simon Peter, following him and went into the sepulchre and see the lining clothes lying. Have you seen it? He says the lining clothes were lying. And the napkin that was about his head, not lying with the lining clothes, but wrapped together in a place by itself. It was wrapped together, nicely folded by itself on a certain, a certain portion. All these things. The Bible doesn't waste a jot. They know what they are talking about. And that's what I just explained to you. Jesus had finished his work. When Jesus said it was finished, he meant it was finished. Now it is left with the body to do their own. So he's building, as the head is built, he's done what he's supposed to do. Now the body must grow and do what they are supposed to do to also be like him. And that's when I say when I when I say be like him. Jesus has the Jesus is the head, okay? And uh, he as a head has finished his own. Can you imagine have, having the head of a 33-year-old and the body of a five-year-old? You see, it doesn't match. There's a problem with that, isn't it? So Jesus has a head of a 33-year-old and his body, which is the body of Christ, which is you and I, have a, have a body of a three-year-old. So he's expecting us to grow, to fit in. So go to Ephesians chapter 5. No, Ephesians chapter 4. Let's read verse 16 now. Ephesians 4, 16. It says, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplied, according to the effectual working of, in the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body. Have you seen it? Unto the edifying of itself in love. I don't know if you are, if you are catching it. He says, as we, as we supply what you are supposed to supply as members of the body of Christ. Okay? Go up. Go to verse, verse 14. That we hence will be no more children tossed to and fro. I'll come back to this. I just want to show you something briefly, okay? And carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slate of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in which to deceive. Verse 15. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him. He wants us to grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. He says he wants us to grow up into the head. The head is there. He's finished his own. But he wants us to grow into the head. Or grow up to have the same stature as the head. Okay? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, Jesus is into building, helping us build the body of Christ. That's what he's building. He's building the church, which is his body. The fullness of him that filleth all and in all. Go to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians 1. Let's read verse 15 to verse 18. I'm still showing you that the church is the body of Christ. Okay? Or the body of Christ is the church. When someone asks you, what's the church? What is the church? The body of Christ. Who is the body of Christ? You. You and I. Isn't it? Even if you are the smallest stone nail of the body of Christ, you are still a part of the body of Christ. And Christ is identified with you. In the book of Acts, Acts chapter 9, something very remarkable happened. Jesus had an encounter, or rather Paul had an encounter with Jesus. And when Jesus met him. Jesus said that Saul, Saul, at that time Paul was called Saul. He said, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? Why are you persecuting me? And Saul said, who are you, Lord? And Jesus replied and said that I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks or to kick against nails. Just imagine kicking against nails. You are, as a normal person, you are just kicking your legs against nails. Who, who would do that? 
who will get hurt? Is it the nails that will get hurt or you will get hurt? You will get hurt. So Jesus was telling that it's not possible to destroy my church. Anybody who attacks my church is hurting himself. And Jesus said, you see, Paul and Jesus never met. Physically speaking, they never met. When Jesus was doing his things, Paul was a student. He was in primary. He had not yet gotten to university. When Jesus died and left, then Paul came on the scene. Okay? So they never had the physical meeting. So when Jesus was being beaten by the Romans and all the things that happened to him whilst he was here, when he was being nailed to the cross, Saul or Paul was not there. But when he met Saul or Paul, he told him, why are you persecuting me? Now, Paul or Saul, at that, who was called Saul at that time, was not persecuting Jesus. He was persecuting the church. Go to Acts chapter 8. Let's read verse 2. Go to verse 3. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church. But he made havoc. Let's read Amplified. But Saul shamefully treated and laid waste the church continuously with cruelty and violence. And entering house after house, he dragged out men and women and committed them to prison. Was Jesus there? Jesus was not there. It was the church. But when Jesus showed up, he said that, why are you persecuting me? Why? Because Jesus is identified with his body. If I am touching your, your toes, am I touching you? Yeah. yeah. Will you get offended if I should kick your legs? Will you say, it was just my legs you kicked? You didn't kick my head. You kicked my legs. If you had kicked my head, you'd have, you'd have seen what I'll do to you. Will you say that? If I kick your legs, I've kicked your head. Isn't it? You can't say, you can't say, that is not the real me. My legs are different from me. What are you talking about? So we are so identified with Jesus that whoever touches you has touched Jesus. That is why I always say that if someone should take your picture or my picture to Akbala and say, Kokulomaja, 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 Kokulomaja. Appear, 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 appear. Now, now. Jesus will show up. Because when he's, well, if you call me, you're actually calling Jesus. Amazing. So, in, in, it's so, it's so, it's so exciting when you know some of these things. It's so nice. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Let's read from verse 14. 2 Corinthians 6. 14 it says be you not unequally yoked together with unbelievers for what fellowship has righteousness with unrighteousness He's, he calls you righteousness and he calls unbelievers unrighteousness and what communion has light with darkness he calls children of god light that's why you should never be afraid when you're walking in darkness as you're walking in the dark you are the light jesus said as long as i'm in the world i'm the light of the world then he called you the light of the world as well Matthew chapter 5, verse 14. Look at Matthew. Keep your finger. Go to Matthew 5, 14. You are the light of the world. Wow. Say, I'm the light of the world. I'm the light of the world. So your life brings beauty to humanity. That is what your purpose, that's your purpose on earth. To bring beauty to humanity. You see how light brings, look at, the lights are making the place nice. Isn't it? Yeah. Lightning can just change an entire place. You have a mulliganos place, a very terrible place, and then they put on some blue lights and some red lights and some lights and all of that. And then realize actually the thing has changed. Those times when we were younger, if someone had come of age, a young man comes of age, he buys blue light in, in his room. I don't know if you ever saw it. Yeah, they buy blue light. Because blue light makes everything nice. Even if the room is not nice, the blue light will make sure that the bed sheet, which is very dirty, becomes... It's like it's looking like some... 
It's an amazing thing. Say, I'm the light of the world. So, Paul says that you are light and they are darkness. Go back to that place. Then he says, and what concord has Christ? With Belial, he calls you Christ and he calls them, those who are outside the church, Belial. If I call your name, if I call your name and I say Yvonne, am I calling up your legs? When I say Yvonne, I'm calling you. It includes your head, your legs, everywhere. So Christ, when we say Christ, we are making reference to Jesus and to everyone in the body. Which includes you. Even if you feel that you are the smallest stone nail. You are under the smallest stone nail somewhere. Because you are not so good. You are still a part of the body of Christ. Wow. Wow. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. See I'm different. I'm different. And see I'm special. I'm special. You are very special I tell you. He's so identified with you. Whoever touches you wrongly. Has touched Christ wrongly. Yeah. He's touched Christ wrongly. You know, so we are the church. Look at Colossians 1 15, like I said. Colossians 1 15. Who is the image of the invisible God? He's talking about Jesus. Okay, let's read from verse 14 so it makes more sense. He says, In whom we have redemption. In Christ, we have redemption through his blood. Who shed his blood? Jesus. So he's talking about Jesus, right? In in Christ, we have redemption through his blood. Even the forgiveness of sins. So you have forgiveness of sins and you have redemption. Amazing. Then it says, Christ is the image of the invisible God. He's showing you that Jesus is God. Okay? When we say some, someone is the image of someone, what does it mean? He's the outward expression of that person. Yeah. Isn't it also? Yeah. If you look into a mirror, who do you, whose image do you see? <laughs> if you see your grandmother's image, there's something wrong. Yeah. You see your image. So your image is you. Isn't it? So Jesus is the image of God. He's called the express image of his person. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3. Look at Hebrews 1, 3. He says, Who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person. He's talking about Jesus. Let's read from verse 1 so that you understand. Maybe you don't think it's Jesus he's talking about. God who at sunny times and in diverse manners spake in the time past unto the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken unto us by his son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds. Then he says, who being the brightness of his glory, Jesus is the brightness, the effulgence of God's glory, and the express image of his person. Jesus is the express image of God. If you want to see God, look at Jesus. Have you seen it? And upholding all things by the power of his word. Jesus upholds all things by the power of his word. When he had by himself purged our sins. When he had, he had purged our sins, he sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. Wow. What a Jesus. So, he's letting you know that Jesus is the image of God. Go back to that place. Colossians chapter 1. We are in verse 15 now. He says, who is the image? Jesus is the image of the invisible God. The firstborn of every creature. Verse 16. For by him were all things created. Can you imagine? Everything was created by him. That are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him, including the witches in your family. So no witch from your family can, can touch you. Never be afraid of a witch. I think it's the last level you are, because they are the last of them all. He says he has put you far above all principality and power and might and dominion. Satan himself included. I don't know why you're afraid of the, the old witch in your house. 
You know, normally in Africa, almost everyone has a witch. If you have a wizard, then it's like you have more trouble. <laughs> if there's a wizard, I hear the wizards are more wicked than the witches. But whatever it is, witch or no witch or wizard or no wizard, you are seated together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You are higher than all of them. See, I'm higher than all of them. They cannot touch me. You see, and you need to believe it. One of our guys, one of our guys in Tamale, you know, whilst we were preaching online during the lockdown, he, he, he came into contact with our church, got born again, and then got into the church and learned some things and went back to, to his village. I don't know if you've seen the testimony. He went back to his village and he just decided to pray and gather some people for the first service. When he gathered them, whilst he was preaching and praying and doing all of those things, not knowing there was this guy there who is clearly a wizard who didn't like what he was doing. He was not comfortable with, with what he was doing at all. No one should show him big time. How do you say that in English? <laughs> it was what? He was uncomfortable. He just walked into his house, the guy's house, and told the guy, guy's father that I want to see your son. I want he he came he actually came with a gun that he wants to shoot the, the boy and kill the boy. That since he came, the boy came to the village, he has not been able to do the things he wants to do. And this is 31st. We are crossing over. He wants to do some things before he crosses over. But he can't do it. So he's angry. He came with a gun to come and shoot the guy. There's nothing like knowing your identity in Christ. The one who knows his identity in Christ knows what happens when he speaks in chance. You may not know. Someone who's uh, who was who was very committed to the lord and knew exactly who he was in christ okay was praying in tongues in his house and his big sister who is in america was having some challenges and met a prophet and the prophet was preaching uh, speaking to her and said that thank your brother in ghana who has been praying for you because if it wasn't for his prayers you would have been dead by now so the sister called the brother and said, Hey, you have been praying for me. And he said, eh. <laughs> I said, eh, I don't really. The guy was only, he was just praying. He was into praying in tongues. You see, because when you pray in tongues, he says, you do not know what you should pray for as you ought. But as you pray in tongues like that, the Holy Ghost himself goes and then props you up. Amazing. So there's power. That's in Romans chapter 8, verse 26. Romans 8, 26. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Sometimes you don't know what you're praying. You don't know what to pray for. He didn't know that he was saving his sister. When the sister called, he said, oh, okay, we thank God. There's so much power in what you say. Hallelujah. Back to Colossians chapter 1. I don't know if you understand my topic. I will, I will build my church. Tonight I want to settle it in your heart that you are the church. Okay? Say, I am the church. For by him were all things created. Hallelujah. Go to verse 17. And he is before all things. Jesus is before all things. And by him all things consist. Other version says, all things consist, persist, and exist by him. All things consist 
Eh? This is amplified. It says, and he himself existed before all things, and in him all things consist, cohere, and held together, are held together. Everything is held together in him. Outside of him, nothing holds. Wow. wow. Look at the next verse. Then he says, and he is the head of the body. This all great, all powerful Jesus is the head of the body. The church, the body, which is the church. Then he says, who is the beginning, the first one from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. He is the head. This almighty Jesus is the head of the body, which is the church. So you are linked to someone who is bigger than you, you ever thought. You see, and he is inside you, wow. protecting you, guiding you, and leading you in life. So tell me, how can you fail? It's not possible. Yeah. So it's important you always remember who is inside you. Christ is in me. I have glory. I can never fail in my life. So whatever you touch, whatever you do, you must always have that in your mind. I'm linked to Christ. I'm linked to Jesus. I'm one with him. As I touch, he has touched. As I speak, he has spoken. As I walk, he's walking. Yeah, that's the truth. Hallelujah. Jesus said, I will build my church. And he was talking about you. Talking about me. I will build my church. Look at Ephesians chapter 5 verse 30. Next, next Wednesday, I'm going to show you how Christ builds his church. Okay? How Christ builds his church. Today, I'm showing you that you are the church. Say, I am the church. Therefore, I'm special. Ah. You are too special. You are too special. See how Jesus got angry when Paul was misbehaving with the church. Yeah, he came down and said, my brother, what are you doing? What do you think you are doing? What are you doing? You can be a pastor and not know that you are the church. In, in Nigeria, in Benin City, you know, Benin City is known for... It's like the voter region of Ghana. You know, Pastor Chris is from Benin. Is from Benin. He's, he's an Edo man. He's from Edo State. The capital of Edo, Edo State is Benin City, right? Nigeria, where are you? It's true. And Pastor Chris is an Edo man. So when he came to Ghana, he fell in love with voter region. Yes. He was very interested in the voter names. Yes. I don't know if you remember. Yeah, he was very... Yeah. Yeah, I tell you. <laughs> you know, so this pastor in, in, in Benin City was, you know, talking against this um, fetish priest and saying things that you can't do anything to me. You can't do anything to me. Who do you think you are? And the fetish priest said, Why do you think you are Idahosa? <laughs> he asked him, Do you think you are Idahosa? You will see. The preacher went to bed in the evening. When he woke up in the morning, he was sleeping outside of his house. And it, no, he wasn't just sleeping outside of, of his house with his body. The whole bed had been relocated outside. He was sleeping outside on the bed outside the house. <laughs> Now, the question is this. This is the question. This is the question. Why did the fetish priest say to him, do you think you are Idahosa? What 
did the Dahosa know that this preacher did not know? If you knew Idahosa, or if you've read his material, you will know that Idahosa was a strong believer of the fact that he was in Christ, and that Christ was in him, and that he's linked to Christ. Therefore, whoever touches him must touch Jesus. And when he talks, Jesus has spoken. One day, Idahosa of Blessed Memory was sitting with this man who had proclaimed himself to be a, a wizard. They wanted to come and have a conference in their city. And Idahosa said, no, you can't come and have this conference in our city. And the witch said that even if Jesus should come down, we will still have a conference. Then Idahosa said, why would Jesus have to come down? I am here. He doesn't have to come down. <laughs> Hallelujah. So your consciousness of who you are and where you are makes all the difference. That's, that is what, you see, when we say something is spiritual, when we say in the realm of the spirit, someone is as strong, is the knowledge of what they are identified with. I don't know if you have seen this video that is also popular moving around of this young man who was going to preach to these people and the fetish priest showed up. And the fetish priest was saying all kinds of things and said that, hey, do you think that the name of Jesus is higher than the name of my God? And he mentioned the name of his God and the, the God showed up and said, my brother, sit down. Do you want me to be in trouble? Sit down and let us listen to the word of God. Let's listen to the good news. Have you seen it? What is it? He said, I brought my tights. The demon manifested and said, I brought my tights. <laughs> Sit down and listen and let's listen to the word of God. Wow. What's the difference? The difference is that you you know when we say someone is spiritual, it means that he's identified. He knows his identity and he doesn't joke with it. It's called being spiritually minded. Staying your mind on your identity. That is what God expects of you. When we say someone is in the spirit or someone um, is walking in the spirit, Jesus mentioned that, for instance, in Romans chapter 8, verse, verse 9, he says, but you are not in the flesh. Do you see? Look at it. Romans chapter 8, verse 9. He says, but you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. We are in the spirit, isn't it? When you become born again, you are born again into the spirit. Isn't it? So we are in the spirit. But he has one job for us. He says we should walk in the spirit. Okay? That's our responsibility. We are in the spirit now, but he expects us to walk in the spirit. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's in Galatians. Galatians 5, verse what? 24. He says, And they that are Christ are crucified the flesh with their affections and lusts. Next verse, 25. If we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. So he, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's an instruction from the Lord. It's something the Lord is expecting. It's a responsibility you have in the spirit. You have a responsibility of walking in the spirit because you live in the spirit. He lets you know that you are in the spirit. And he lets you know your responsibility of being in the spirit. Walk in the spirit. So go back to verse 16. Galatians 5, 16. This I say then, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. He says, if you walk in the spirit, you, you learn how to control your flesh. Are you saying it? So it's a responsibility he, he wants every one of his children to have. Now, how do you walk in the spirit? You walk in the spirit through your mind. Are you in the church? Now, what do I mean? Go to Romans chapter 8. Let's read from verse 5. It says, for they that are after the flesh, it says, those who are after the flesh. So what does it mean to walk after the flesh? They do mind the things of the flesh. Let's read the Amplified. It will help us. For those who are according to the flesh are con and are controlled by it in unholy desires, set their minds on and pursue those things which gratify the flesh so the reason why a christian will be fleshly or walk in the flesh 
is because of where he keeps his mind. Are you seeing it? Then he says, but those who are according to the spirit and are controlled by the desires of the spirit set their minds on and seek those things which gratify the spirit. So if you read in Colossians chapter 3, verse 1 and verse 2, let's read in the Amplified. Colossians 3, 1 and 2. So your mind makes all the difference, okay? He's expecting you to walk in that. When we say someone is spiritually powerful, it means that he's someone who keeps his mind set on his identity as shown in Christ through the word. Or his identity in Christ as shown through the word. If ye then have been raised with Christ. Have you been raised with Christ? He says to a new life that's sharing his resurrection from the dead. Aim at and seek the rich eternal treasures that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Next verse, verse 2. And set your minds and keep them set on those, on what is above, the higher things, not on the things that are on earth. Have you seen it? So he's expecting you to keep your mind. Your spirituality has a lot to do with your mind. If you take your mind out, it doesn't work. <laughs> what you stay your mind on makes all the difference. Thou shalt keep in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. Your spiritual fortitude is dependent on what your mind is set on. If your mind is set on fear, on certainties, on things on the earth, you can, you can think about it. Whatever you want to classify as things of the flesh. You end up walking in the flesh. So he says, walk in the spirit and not in the flesh. How do you walk in the spirit? You don't walk in the spirit by walking in air like the Akash are moving. You are moving like this. That's not what it means. No, he's talking about your mind, where you keep your mind. So go back to Romans chapter Romans chapter eight. We just read verse five, right? Now look at verse six. Now the mind, the flesh, which is sense and reason without the Holy Spirit. Have you seen it? Sense and reason without the Holy Spirit is death. Death that comprises all the miseries arising from sin, both here and here thereafter. But the mind of the Holy Spirit is life and so peace, both now and forever. Verse seven. That is because the mind of the flesh, which is with this kind of thoughts and purposes is hostile to God, for it does not submit itself to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. So then those who are living the life of the flesh, catering to the appetites and impulses of the carnal nature, cannot please or satisfy God or be acceptable to him. Next verse. Then he says, but you are not living, in the, living the life of the flesh. You are living the life of the spirit. If the Holy Spirit of God really dwells within you, does he? Then he says, directs you directs and controls you. But if anyone does not possess the Holy Spirit of Christ, he is none of us. He does not belong to Christ. It's not truly a child of God. But if you have the Holy Spirit like you do, you and I do, you are a child of God. And because you are a child of God, he's expecting you to start controlling your life through the Spirit, with your mind. Set your mind on things above. Like start living your life with the mindset that I'm a child of God. Start living your life with the mindset that I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. Those are the rich eternal treasures that are hidden above for you and I to enjoy. Start living your life with the fact that I have faith. I don't, I don't have fear in my life. Nothing bad can happen to me. Everything good is what happens to me. The Bible says that the, a good man, out of, the, out of his good heart, brings what good things. The treasure of his, his goodness, of his heart. So you bring forth good things. And you must, you must understand the fact that I'm a child of God. I'm with God. I'm identified with Christ. Therefore, I live a, good, a glorious life. That's my life. In the name of the Lord Jesus. And you don't accept any other thing apart from what God gives to you. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's what it means to live in the Spirit. So when we talk about living in the Spirit, it's not having a certain type of... You can pray in tongues and not have your mind on what you're doing. Your mind is, a, is one of the most powerful spiritual tools you can think about. 
Because thoughts are spiritual. Thoughts are spiritual. There are two sources of thoughts from without you and from within you. You see something and then you start thinking about it. Sometimes you don't see anything but then you start thinking. Isn't it? So how, where you keep your mind makes all the difference. Your spiritual fortitude and spiritual stamina is dependent on your knowledge of Christ and keeping that knowledge throughout your day, keeping that knowledge throughout the year, keeping that knowledge every time. I'm a child of God. I cannot go down. I can only go up. Everything I do works. In the name of the Lord Jesus. I'm identified with Jesus. Every step I take is Jesus taking that step. The reason why miracles will happen when you lay hands on. One of our guys was not well. Uh, I think on 31st, right? My wife, yeah, he's here. I think he has. Is he here? He had some problems. With the, do you still feel it now? You don't, I prayed for him. And then, then he became fine. My wife and I prayed for him. Then, then he became fine. Okay? Now, what, is, what makes those things happen? Makes no difference what sickness it is. Jesus was not a special specialist of certain sicknesses. Like nobody presented a cancer, and Jesus said, "Hey, this is cancer. This one you need to see. This one you need to see John the Baptist. It's not my area. There was nothing like that. Jesus never said this is not my area. No, there's nothing like that. No, there's nothing like that. The Bible says he healed all kinds of sicknesses, and he's in me. So if I lay hands on the sick, they will recover. He didn't say they shall lay hands on people who had who have headaches, people who have." Uh, uh, what diabetes or cancer or malaria and they recover no there was nothing like that he said they shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover there was no categorization of what type of sickness it was recovery starts immediately I lay my hands on the person why? why does it happen with me and not with somebody else because that person does not think that when he lays hands on that person something will happen but I think in my mind, I know that when I lay hands on that person, because of what Jesus has said in his word, when I lay hands, something happens. So I'm identified with him. As I lay hands on that person, Jesus is laying hands on that person. So the most spiritual thing you can think about, think about, are words. Words. And the highest of them all is the word of God. Jesus said, the words I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. So if you want to be spiritual, you must have a lot of the word of God. Do you see? And you must stay your mind on the word of God. Try your best. Stay your mind. That is what it means to walk in the spirit. The more you walk in the spirit, the more you stay in the, your mind on the word, which is the rich eternal treasure. And I'm not saying stay your mind on John 11:35 and Jesus wept. And Jesus wept. And Jesus wept. No, I'm talking about <laughs> it's called the <laughs> it's called the word of his grace, which is able to build you up. What he did for you in Christ. There's a specific word that he wants you to have. Your, you see, it's not the Bible is the, is the word of God. But out of the Bible, there's a word of God. There's a rema. It's the, there's the logos and then there's a rema. The logos brings you the rema. The rema. The logos is the written word. It's God's word. It's true. But out of it comes rema, which is revelation for your life and for your living. It's like a toffee wrapped in a, a, a rubber. When you get the toffee, you don't put the rubber and the toffee into your mouth. You must unwrap the toffee and then eat the toffee. Isn't it the actual thing? A lot of Christians put the whole rubber into their mouth. And then they say that, mm, it's not nice. It's not nice because you've not learned how to unwrap it. For years, you have not learned how to unwrap it. How do you unwrap it? You unwrap it through the Spirit of God. That's why we read the Word of God with the Holy Spirit. As you read the Word of God, allowing the Holy Spirit to teach you, 
in your raptures. He's called the spirit that reveals. He's the revealing and unveiling spirit. He reveals the word of God. The Bible says that Jesus said that he shall lead you into all truth. He leads you into truth. You don't just open your Bible and read. They say we should read. You see, the, the saddest thing that I find with most Christians, saddest unfortunate thing, is Christians doing things because they've been told to do. Because they've been told to do it. Not getting the import of the instruction that came, but just doing. They said we should win souls. So you, are, you don't apply your mind to it at all. We have pastors who don't apply their mind to the work that they are doing. They've never thought about the ministry. They've never thought about their responsibility. Because they said we should do it. So we are doing it. They say we should visit. So you visit. You don't know why you are visiting the person. You don't understand what it means. You've not thought about it. That one visit that you have with the person can change the person's life forever. That is why you can visit for a hundred times and nothing happens. Because you never thought about what you were doing. You were just doing something that you were told to do. It never came out of your hands. It came out of an instruction that someone gave you. You will never go forward. It won't happen. Unless you, un, until unless you think about what has happened or what has been said, you will not have fruit. It's like having the seed in your hand. If you have a seed in your hand and you don't plant it, it doesn't work. You, pl- you plant by thinking. You think about it. Then you have planted. If you, if you, if you think about it, you have planted. Then it starts growing. Are you in the church? So it's so important you allow the Holy Spirit to lead you in every single thing you do. So that's, that's what it means to walk in a spirit. The Holy Spirit communicates with your mind. So important. After whatever, you see, you cannot say you have heard from the Spirit when you don't know it in your head. I don't know if you get it. The Holy Spirit must speak to your mind at the end of the day. So that you will know something in the coconut up there. And be able to, you, you are, you are useless if what the spirit said to you never came to your mind that is the truth what is what then what are you talking about you are spiritually useless and you are physically useless if whatever was said to you by the spirit was never ministered to your mind your mind is too important when we say walking in the spirit we're talking about walking with your mind living with your mind on the things of the spirit Living with your mind on the things of the word. Okay? And your spiritual fortitude will be confirmed. You see that people come to you and say, Boss, how are you? I've been seeing you pass in the area. We have been trying to do things, but it's not worked. You know? Let me tell you one last story. Can I tell you one last story? So, Pastor Chris went to Benin City again. <laughs> and went to preach very powerfully. And he called out, um, for people to come and give their lives to Christ. And he sensed in the spirit that there were some people there who had guns. There were over 100,000 people in the meeting. And he sensed that there are some people here who have guns. So he called them out. If you have a gun, come out. I mean, would you go if you have a gun? <laughs> but because it's an atmosphere of the spirit, their minds were arrested and they came. About 15 people came and they all had guns on them. They all came. And when they came, he prayed for them. They all fell under the power. They rose up. He led them to Christ. And they went to go and talk to them. To counsel them. You know, like tell them about the church. Let them find out where they stay and all of that. So they can, they can visit them and establish them in the house of God. Now, when they were counseling them, one of the pastors, the assistant pastor who was counseling one of the guys, said that, Pastor, I know you. He said, oh, you know me? He said, yes, I know you. I've been to your house many times. I'm an arm robber. 
and we have made several attempts to come to your house to come and kill you take something from you but every time we come when we get to the house we can't stay we go back now the pastor is sleeping in his room he's sleeping in his room he doesn't know what's going on now how how come they got there and weren't able to do anything yeah what the power of the holy ghost in that pastor and his knowledge concerning that power that is inside him is what makes him strong and makes them weak i hope you get it so if you don't it's called the knowledge of god that is what god craves for for you the knowledge of god it's called there there are different kinds of knowledge this is epignosis full knowledge of god like you know it you know it in your heart you know it in your head you can easily refer to it it's it influences your tongue it changes the way you talk you don't say well, you know we are weak we don't know what to do weak weak what do you mean by you are weak when christ is in you you are not weak someone can be a christian for 30 years and always think that he's weak or she's weak so whenever she's praying lord you know i am weak but thou art mighty what are you talking about where is he where is he are you not identified with him so if he is mighty how can you be weak if he's mighty where is he staying is he not staying in you are you not his address now so how come you are saying that you are weak it never you see you've, you've people people are into religion and are not into the life they're into religion oh we go to church oh we go it's not about that you can go to church and die on the on the streets oh you can go to church and die in the church you can die in the church and no preacher's prayer will help you because you there, there's no data to help i mean before you bring a, a computer up there should be some data in there to be able to help you connect for you to the computer to come up right? it doesn't work so it's so important the knowledge of god's word and you keeping your mind on christ in you and christ your identification with christ you being the body of christ you being the church is so important that's what puts you over i'm identified with him i am one with him you know what jesus said i and my father are one the bible says the jews took up stones to stone him because they knew that he was making himself god so when you say i and jesus are one that is the aim of jesus this is why jesus came jesus came so that you and him can become one in the father so there will not be any difference between you and him that's his aim and he wants you to have knowledge of the fact that you are one with him we are united we are one in him hallelujah, hallelujah. rise up upon your feet and thank you for what i shared with you father we give you glory we give you praise i'm identified with him i'm one with him in the name of the lord jesus as he is so am i in this world as he is so am i in this world now can you imagine moving around with that mind that's in your mind as jesus is in his glory so am i you know how jesus jesus looks like right now read revelation chapter 1 from verse 12 you see what i'm talking about revelation chapter 1 from verse 12 you'll be surprised that says that his hair is like wool his eyes are like flaming fire and his legs are like burning brass 
you are too fearful. In all the spirit, you are so fearful that like nobody can touch you. No demon has that hell can touch you. Or touch anything that belongs to you. The blood of Jesus is sprinkling on you constantly and it is talking every time. It's speaking better things. Mercy, grace, power, joy, love. Every good thing you can think about. Wow. That was in Jesus' voice. We are the voice of many waters. Yeah. Many rushing waters. So when you say hey in the spirit, when you say hey in the spirit, they hear hey, 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 hey. How fearful you are. See, I'll never be, I'll never go down in my life. Yeah. Someone called himself spiritual matuli. Yes, Richard Matuli. You know some of these guys call us a spiritual bulldozer. Yeah, they, I think they have a certain revelation of the Lord. That's why they talk like that. Yeah, because someone someone sees themselves as a spiritual spoon, but he sees I'm, I'm a spiritual bulldozer. I'm a spiritual Matuli. <laughs> ask your neighbor, how do you see yourself? Do you see yourself as a spiritual church fly or as a spiritual bulldozer? Whatever I touch works. Whatever I touch works. Wherever I go, Christ has come. When I talk, Christ is speaking. When I smile, Christ is smiling. Hallelujah. Give the Lord a shout. God bless you for listening. We pray that the word of God will be rooted and grounded in your heart as you give attention to the word. Kindly follow Pastor T and Love Economy Church on all social networks for more of God's Word. Don't forget to subscribe to the Pastor T Podcast. Simply search for Pastor T on any podcast app, plug in, and enjoy God's Word. Visit our website at loveeconomychurch.org for more information. God bless you.